chapter 20, the book of the Revelation, chapter 20. You all know I can't start tonight without making a comment of what happened on the White House lawn in Washington, D.C. yesterday. You all know that, don't you? Folks, I'm telling you, it's a sad day in the history of America. When, when, we, get, when we get the President of the United States that says some of the things that he said about protecting perversion, is what it is, gay rights, transgenderism, and he, and he lumps in other kind of marriages, and these things have already been protected. 2015, I think, the Supreme Court decided to protect and pass gay marriage. I don't know, folks, I'm telling you, when you, when you, when you, have, when you have a drag queen come to perform or sing at the White House, I mean, something's bad wrong with our nation. We're broken. We're, we're broken. We're, we're really broken. We're going to see more about this. I'll probably say more about things like that when we get in the book of Romans, but when we study the first chapter of the book of Romans, you'll find that we're living in Romans chapter 1. We'll find out something about what a reprobate mind is. And if you wonder what it is, look at Washington. Look at the streets of America, folks. Look at the brokenness. And when you, when you have churches and, and so-called pastors that are embracing this stuff and saying it's okay, we're in trouble. We, we are in trouble. It's good to be here tonight. Happy for all of y'all. we got several folks that are terribly sick. There's another prayer request we have. We've been working on the cantata. We ask you to pray for that for Sunday night, the service. Looking forward, looking forward to that. It's going to, be a, going to be a good time. Now let me clarify something for David Stallnaker. He said, can you, uh, can you baptize my canary? I said, listen, buddy, if you want a canary baptized or blessed, you're going to have to backslide, go back to the Catholic Church, or find you an Episcopalian priest somewhere. I believe that's verbatim what I, I love, Brother David. We have a good time. We have a good time. We, we've been looking for several weeks, and I'm going to be honest with you all. I, I did not know when I started this study on, on dispensational truths that it would morph into the study that it did. And I just simply tried my best to be sensitive to the Spirit of God to let Him lead me in this from week to week in my studies and uh, the reason being that we started in this study, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to show us as a congregation how important it is to rightly divide the Word of God. And without, without understanding the dispensations in the Bible, that's an impossibility. And the reason I wanted to do this, the second reason is, I want us to be sure that we differentiate between the nation of Israel and the church of Jesus Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 32. It's one of the greatest verses of Scripture that you can put in your memory bank. One of the greatest, most important to understand Bible prophecy and rightly divide it. It is giving none offense to either the Jew, the Gentile, nor the church of God. The only three groups of people that God recognizes on planet earth are Jews, Gentile, and the church of God, which is made up of Jew and Gentile. And when you become saved, you're no longer Jew and Gentile, although you're still Jew or Gentile. Okay? I mean, I, I know that sounds like, a, like a, a paradox and like it's not true, but it is very true. We just don't rest in those things. But anyway, here we are. We're looking at the last dispensation. And the last dispensation has to do with the millennial. Now, this handout that I gave you all, this was birthed because I had a question. 
ask me, and it was a good question, a reasonable question, asked me last week something, and I, I forget how it was exactly stated, but the question was, I thought the tribulation brought us into eternity. The tribulation doesn't, and this is why this um, chart, I guess you could call it, the seven dispensations, this shows where things are related. Just like at the top, the first one is the dispensations of innocence. The next one is the dispensation of conscience, uh, human government, promise, law, grace. And then stuck between, now listen to what I'm going to say, stuck between the dispensation of grace and the millennial dispensation is the tribulation. Now, there are great men. I mean great men. Just scholarly men, educated men, Bible men, they would not agree with what, what, I, what I put on this paper. They would tell you that the tribulation is still a part of the, of the grace dispensation. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't take that line of thinking. If you do, that's okay. But I believe when the church, when the church goes, when the church is snatched away, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation chapter 4, 1 and 2. When, when, the, when the church is snatched away, to me, in my opinion, that's when the dispensation of grace ends. The dispensation of grace and the church age run so parallel with each other, I don't know how we can separate them. That's my opinion. My opinion. I could be wrong, but as well as there are some dis, uh, some theologians and scholars and students of the Word of God would disagree with me, others would. Others would. So I, 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 I've talked to some good men. I've talked this out before, before I'm teaching it to you. And I believe it fits somewhere in a place on its own. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 41, I believe it is, said, look, there's going to be a time of tribulation that's never been like it. None before, none after so to me, in many ways, and there are other scriptures, this is a unique, totally unique period of time. After the seven years, we know for sure, I believe there will be a ten-year span of time. There will have to be a transition period between the rapture, the snatching away of the church, and when the tribulation begins with the Antichrist signing a peace covenant with the nation of Israel, there has to be some kind of a, a transition period to get things settled down on planet earth to where life can become, find some kind of new normalcy. And then things will progress. Now, I did a Bible study on that here, why I believe that there's going to be a 10-year period. I've got some good ideas about it. I won't press it too much if you agree or not. That's okay. But we know there's going to be at least a 7-year period. I believe a 10-year period. And then the dispensation called the Millennial Dispensation will begin. And that's where we're reading tonight. After that dispensation, we enter into eternity. And that's why you've got the errors on the bottom of your page. It, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. So it's a real simple chart. I hope that it helps. I thought it was a great question. And, and I asked Debbie, so what do you, what do, you do? What do you, what do you think if I make a little chart? And she said, visual things are always, always helpful. So Revelation chapter 20. Verses 1 through 6, I'm going to read them again. I did last week, and we'll, we'll finish up on this tonight and hopefully step in and maybe even, maybe even do all of our study on, on the red heifer. He said, and this is, this is John speaking. He's still receiving the revelation 
uh, that Jesus got from his father. And he says, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, folks, look, like I told you last week, I believe I told you this, one of the greatest Bible tools to understand how to rightly divide the Word of God is simply this. When the Word of God makes sense, seek for no other sense. Just let the Word of God speak. If God meant this to be something else, if there was a, if there was a picture of something else in this, He would have said, this is like a thousand years. But He said a thousand years, and that's what it's going to be. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. Where do you all think the bottomless pit is? Right underneath our feet. Do you all know why it's called a bottomless pit? But why? The earth is always rotating. Always rotating on its axis. And I can't help but think that there is a... And see, this, this would make it terrible. There's a continual sensation for those in, in the bottomless pit of falling. The lost have no foundation to stand on in this life. Why would we think they would have it in the next? Anyway, that's just a thought for me. That he should deceive the nations no more. Look at the next word. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Five times the phrase a thousand years is mentioned in this passage. And we that are a part of the first resurrection, somebody ought to get up and run a little bit and shout. I mean to tell you that's shouting ground. Now, last week I think I was telling you about the character uh, of the millennial kingdom. And if you want to take notes, if you want to do some additional reading and studying on this, and I encourage you to, begin reading chapter 9 in the book of Zechariah, and you'll get some great stuff all the way over to chapter 14. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 11 is a must chapter on the kingdom age. Chapters 60 through 66 is a must read for the kingdom. The book of Ezekiel, if you want to read about the, the, the temple and the kingdom, started wrong about, may as well start at chapter 40. It doesn't start about the temple at 40, but if you read it and read about the uh, forerunner, John Baptist, and it goes on into explaining uh, the temple and, and the kingdom period, it's a, it's a great read and study. Now, that, that's not an exhaustive list, but that'll keep you busy for a just a little bit of time, and trust me, it will be fruitful if you, if you want it. But this kingdom is going to be an amazing kingdom. I mean to tell you, it is going to be an amazing kingdom. And I left my other notes at the house. Isn't that, isn't that good? But that's all right. I'll go. It, it's going to be a theocracy. Does, does anybody know what a theocracy is? We're, we're living under today in America a supposed democratic republic. In 1770, 
77. Is that when the Declaration of Independence was signed? Is it 77, 76? 76. Now, y'all know I'm not good with numbers, so y'all understand that. I think it was Ben Franklin that said, after they signed it, and they said, Sirs, there is your republic if you can keep it. I'll never forget when I was startled to think that though I believe we've got the greatest documents ever written by man for the government of man and human government, though it was established under the days of Noah, the, the days of the dispensation of human government, it still continues today. It's not the ruling, it's not the ruling uh, theme of this dispensation. Grace is, but at the time, under Noah's days, it was. But it still affects us in this day. I was shocked when I realized that our documents are no greater than the men that swear to support them. That won't let you sleep good tonight, by the way. But when we remember that there's a sovereign God that's higher than men and is able to twist the hearts of kings, that'll let you sleep good. That'll let you sleep really, really well. But what is a theocracy? I've spoken long enough, somebody ought to be able to remember what that is. Close. It is, has to do with religion, priest. It is a government through which God rules through a king and or a priest, and it is, has a great religious tone to it. So that's it. The idea, the, the, the thing there, theo, theocracy, the, theo. We're, we're becoming an American, uh, arist, or, or theo, not theocracy, arist, what is it? Aristocracy, I was right, wasn't it? Yeah. To where, you know, it's almost like a dictatorship down. I'm telling you, folks, it's a strange time in America. So the kingdom, though, will be a theocracy. Who's going to sit on the throne? Yeah. Now look, here's two things, one of the reasons, too, that I wanted to get in this study. The Abrahamic covenant, has it yet been fulfilled? No, it hasn't. Will it be fulfilled? When? During the dispensation of the millennium. There is a covenant of David. By the way, the covenant that God gave to Abraham was found in Genesis 12, Genesis 15. It's confirmed. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, when David wanted to build God's house, he said, no, David, I'll build you a house. God gave David a, a covenant. Question, has that covenant been fulfilled? No. Will it be? Yes. The question is when? In the millennium. Y'all are getting this, right? Has, when God gave promise to Abraham of a land grant, does anybody remember how many square miles that took in? Somebody's going to say a lot. I knew that. I knew that. That's a great answer. It is the right answer. But could we be specific? 300,000 square miles. I mean, listen, Lebanon and, and Iran and Iraq and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and Jordan, a few others are going to be surprised in just a few days. I'll just be honest with you. It goes from north to Hamath and down to the, down to the uh, river of, of, of Egypt, I think it is. It, it goes to the Mediterranean Sea and I don't know how far over. It goes a long way over, though, in the Arabian Desert. Does anybody know, under the leadership of David and Solomon, 
how much of that 300,000 that the nation of Israel has actually possessed? One-tenth of it. 30,000 square miles. I never will forget one year, Debbie and I had the privilege of going uh, not only to Israel, but we were able to journey into Jordan and go to Petra, as well as go into Egypt. And on our long day, bus trip back to our hotel, we were all beat by the time we got back. I was sitting there looking out the windows, and there's nothing but wilderness. You remember it, Debbie? Sand and rocks and scrubs. No beauty. Man, I got spirit got to speak into my heart, and he said, Son, you're traveling in the Holy Land. This is the promised land. Man, I got happy about everybody on that bus. I didn't shout it out, but I wanted to wake everybody on the bus up. Man, listen, God's going to keep His Word and He's going to do it, friend, in this last dispensation. What does the number seven represent numerology? Completion. God's going to fulfill His promise. Now, we could take time to go back and dig into the Abrahamic covenant. Don't want to do that. We could go back and dig into the Davidic covenant. Don't want to do that. It would be fruitful. But I do want us to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1. This fits the season. And listen to the prophecy that, that uh, Gabriel spoke to Mary, brought it up out of the Old Testament. Friend, this is one of the reasons that when the Old Testament closed... The Old Testament closed with the promise of a king and a kingdom. That's why the New Testament opens with the book of Matthew being written by a Jew to the Jew. And when it opens up, we're introduced to the king. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, put him in the right family, the royal family. The son of Abraham put him in the right family as far as, as uh, people go, in the right racial family, the family of Abraham. The New Testament opens looking back to the old as the old closes looking forward to the new. And just ever so often, Matthew said, and this was written that it might be fulfilled. He reached back over in the old and brought something into the new and says, this is what God was saying. God promised. I don't know about y'all. If it's not exciting, if you're not feeling something in your feet, in your heart, or somewhere, something's wrong over this. I'm telling you, it's exciting to know that we've got a God that can keep His Word. That, that gives me so much hope. We're introduced to the lineage of a king. We see the birth of a king that he'll be a savior. He'll be Yeshua Hamashik, which is Emmanuel, God with us. And when, the, and when the wise men came to see the king, we have it recorded in Matthew chapter 2. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Listen to what happens here in Luke chapter 1. And I love this. I, we're not going to get to the red heifer. If we do, we'll just pick it back up, but it'll be all right. In, in verse 27, I believe it'd be timely to read this. It may be read again before the, the Christmas season is over. But, but does, can I ask y'all honestly, does this, does this story, does this message, does it ever get old? I mean, it's intriguing. Every time that I read it, I think, wow. Could, could you imagine, 
some people think that Mary could have been as young as 14. I don't know how old she was. She and Joseph weren't very old. But you know what I know about her and him? They were both just. God made a good choice when he chose Mary and Joseph. And listen to what he said in verse 26. He said, in the sixth month, in the sixth month, for some of you that may have never thought about it, it's talking about the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John Baptist. Elizabeth had been pregnant by this time six months. She was pregnant. Mary got pregnant, went to talk to her cousin Elizabeth, and they just had themselves a shouting time. They shouted it out. That's what Mary's magnificent is. It was a, it was a great time for both of them. But just a little FYI. And, and the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is the messenger angel to the nation of Israel. Micah is the archangel. I read after men that believe there are more than one archangel, but the Bible calls him Michael the definitive, the, the archangel. I believe there's only, only one. That's my opinion. We'll, we'll find out more about it when we get to heaven. If I'm wrong on that, it's not the first time I've been wrong, nor will it be the last time. But Gabriel is the messenger angel, and he made a lot of trips that year. He made a lot of trips unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now see, that ought to intrigue us right there because the Bible says Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem to a virgin. Now listen, friend. We're living in a day, strange, Bible critics everywhere that try to deny the virgin birth. When, if you remember, I preached last week about how God prepared for His Son, and I preached on the coming of Alexander the Great conquering the world, establishing the Greek language. The Greek language is precise. I mean, there's like four or five different words in the Greek language for love. If I say I love Debbie, y'all know what I mean. If I say I love fishing, y'all know what I mean. The same word, but in the Greek language, there are different words for all of that kind of stuff. But he said to a virgin, Parthenos, a virgin in the strictest sense. And after all, we've got Mary's testimony. To a man, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, this ought to tear the Catholics up, among women, not above. Mary is not an access to Jesus. She needed a Savior just like you and I did. In fact, she called Him her Savior. Read the rest of the chapter. She's not above women, but she is among women. And when she saw Him, she was troubled at His saying, cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I get tickled at people that say that they see angels all the time. You know what? Well, if you see an angel, listen, it's not going to be like a lot of them give testimony to. You hear me? You're going to be afraid you're going to die. It's going to scare the bejeebies out of you. You know? I mean, it's a pretty major thing. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou art highly favored or graced with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. 
He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Well, that's exciting. Of all the things now, Gabriel could have said to her, about who this child is. He gave some great insight. One of them is that he is a holy thing, that he is the Son of God, that he is Jesus, but he writes back and got hold of the divided covenant and said, listen, this son of David is going to sit on the throne of his father in Jerusalem. What did they call this? What, in, in the, what was it? Jazz hands, well, I'm going to praise him. Okay, I'm changing the definition. To me, this is in that he wretched back and got the Davidic covenant and said it's still going to be fulfilled. Mary said unto him, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee like he did the tabernacle in the wilderness. Okay, same idea. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy things which shall be born to thee shall be called the Son of God. Isn't that beautiful? That is absolutely beautiful. So we find when Jesus comes, He's going to have a government that's theocratic. It is a government of God. And listen, God Himself will be ruling. Now, question is, what kind of rule will he have? And how will he rule? Not with an iron fist, with an iron rod. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20, and it'll come out of his mouth. Now, his kingdom is going to be a kingdom of righteousness. What a, what a surprise. You, you know what that means? That means that when he says it to be done, if somebody disobeys, there's going to be swift judgment. There's going to be judgment, I could even say executed, whatever that may mean. When you say, preacher, I, I didn't think in the millennial kingdom that there would be any deaths. Yeah, there will be. I believe it is in, Revela in, in Revelation. In Isaiah 60, maybe. If you need me to find it, I can, I think in a few minutes. But, but he said that a child shall die in hundred years. You know what that means? That means that when the millennial sets in, there's going to be... You remember I read Acts chapter 3 verses, I don't know, 13, 14, 15, 15, 16, 17, 17, 18, 19 last week about when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord when He'll restore... All things. Anybody remember that? All right. Go to Acts chapter 3. <laughs> Keep your finger here in Revelation. I'll come back to it in a minute. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read uh, verse 19. Down through 2021. I was fishing a while ago. Never did get to the right ones. Now actually, when Peter was preaching this, God was literally, at that moment, giving the nation of Israel another opportunity to repent. 
Y'all realize that, don't you? It was an opportunity. Had they believed and had they repented, they could have received. God would have done all of this at that time. Do you know why I believe that Stephen was standing when they were stoning him? He had preached one of the greatest messages we have record of in the New Testament. I believe that Jesus was standing ready to come and establish his kingdom. And the nation of Israel not only heard the message, but believed the message and repented because of it. I know people say he was standing honoring honoring, uh, uh, Stephen, the first martyr. There may be a truth to that, but I'm looking a little bit deeper. I believe with all of my heart. You say, why do you say that? Well, two chapters later, he, he opened the door to the Gentiles. For about the first 10 or 12 years, the New Testament church was pretty much 100% Jewish. And then God opened the door up to the children uh, of, of the Gentile world. That means me and you. That's shouting ground too right there. But look here at, at Acts chapter 3 verse 19 and following. He said, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you, and whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. Now, God knew that he wouldn't, or that the nation wouldn't receive him and repent. And he knew that there would be a period of time that would pass before it would happen. But listen, it's going to happen. And when Jesus is going to come back, if you remember, I mentioned chapter 5 of the book of Revelation that Jesus took the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne that was sealed with seven seals. He took back the title deed of the earth that Adam had lost in the deception in the garden and Satan had possessed. God's going to take his world back. He's purchased it, he's redeemed it with his blood. And he's going to set all things right that were wrong. And one of those things will be longevity of mankind. Mankind will live like they lived before the flood. Who's the oldest man in the Bible? How old? That's a long time, is it not? But you know what? In the eyes of God, he was only a, a, a day old. I'm talking prophetic. A day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years. I'm just tricking you a little bit. But in the eyes of God, he was just a day old. They lived long. They had long life, pre-sin, pre-fall. And Jesus is going to come back and set things right. I mean, to tell you, the cattle, I mean, they're going to reproduce. I mean... Fruit trees are going to bear the sweetest fruit they've ever... I mean, gardens are going to grow vineyards, grass. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. Can you imagine? Satan's going to be bound. He's going to be in the bottomless pit. The Son of God Himself is going to be sitting on the throne. And He's going to restore this world to its original beauties. You know what a lot of people say that I read after? It's going to be Eden-like. And that's a good way, no doubt in my mind, uh, to, uh, to refer to it. One other covenant. Can anybody guess what that other covenant is that's going to be fulfilled? The Palestinian covenant. The Palestinian covenant. Chapter 30 of the book of, of Deuteronomy. Read a couple of verses real quick and, and then we'll close. 
Your mommy or daddy ever accuse you of having your eyes too big and putting too much on your plate? Well, that's the way I do spiritually when I prepare to teach. I, I, I teach and I put things down and I think through and pray through and I think, Lord, I don't, I don't have squat. I, don't, I won't last ten minutes. And I come to find out that I've got more than what I know to do with. What are you grinning about, Greg Carney? You know exactly, don't you? Um, I, I want to take time, if you all don't care, to read beginning of verse 1 and following. Now, we don't hear much about the Palestinian covenant. But God's going to keep it and, and listen to how he describes it. And it should come to pass. What's the next word? I love that. I love that. When all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mine among the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Even at that time, the foot of Mount Sinai, God knew that his people were going to disobey him, that they would be, be sent into the nations among, of the world in the Babylonian captivity, in the Assyrian captivity, and in 70 AD in the diaspora that is still lasting today. Scattered them in the, earth, in the world, protected them, made sure that they would be preserved. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whether the Lord thy God has scattered thee. They talk about the lost tribes of Israel. Hey, children, they're not lost. God knows exactly where they're at. If any of thine be driven out into the outermost, outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed. And thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and, with all, and that, that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book and the law, if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. And listen to me, one day they will. I'm going to close with this. I'm nowhere near done. I have left so much out of all of this coming through this. In the end of the tribulation, when things get so bad, when, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, said, look, Tell them that's out in the field to go not back at the house to get any goods. And him that's on the housetop, flee. And woe unto you if you're given suck with that in, in that day, meaning you're, 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 you're with child, you're taking care of a child. It'll slow your progress. It'll hinder your escape. It's going to be tough. 
He said, these are going to be the days. Now, when they get to the point, and Zechariah tells us when that will be, Jesus will, like Joseph, reveal himself to his people. I believe that very possibly they will resort to that place called Petra. If I had time, I'd make some statements about Petra. I believe God's able to hide His people right in the open. He's going to preserve them. They're going to flee. And there is good Bible reason why people believe that they will flee to Edom. That's where Petra is. And one day when it gets so difficult... He'll come and He'll reveal Himself to them. They'll see the wounds in His hands. Zechariah said, they'll say, What are those wounds in thy hands? And He'll say, These are the wounds that I received in the house. Now listen to this, of my friend. And you know what the Bible says? That they'll mourn for Him as for an only or a firstborn son. They'll repent. They'll repent. I'm telling you, God's going to bless his people. He's going to bless them completely. I don't know about you all, but it excites me. Next week, the Lord will. If you want to read on the red heifer, I think the red heifer, just by memory, forgive me if I'm wrong, it's only in four different places in the Bible. It's in the book of Genesis 15. One of the, one of the beasts that Abraham was to cut into was a heifer of three years old. Um, in, in Numbers chapter 19, that's the main main chapter passage uh, that we're, we're going to consider in the book of uh, oh, Deuteronomy, maybe chapter 21. It's mentioned and also over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. So we'll look at, we'll look at the red heifer. It's exciting time. I will say this about it, and I'll just kind of tease you a little bit. There's a lot of people believe that the last red heifer that will be discovered is a great indicator that the Messiah is nigh at hand. Watch my little head. I agree with that. I agree with that. There are five cows now in Israel that were produced, guess in what nation? Guess what state? Texas. Texas. That's been shipped to uh, Jerusalem. They're, less, they're, they're younger than one. We'll say more about it, but they're watching, and there's, there's reason to be excited. Now, there have been others found, and they didn't prove out, but still, we'll, we'll look into it a little bit next week. Comments, questions? All right.